This is Robert Mitchell with episode 48 of High Tide in the Dream Time. This one's going to be called Pink Moon. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying this this podcast. You know, from the numbers, I see that people are. And if you are enjoying it, the best way to support it at this point is by leaving reviews at Apple Podcast. And I'm going to try and give you guys a special one today that inspires you to do just that. All right, so this week there was a pink moon. And I often, uh, people always point that out to me because it's something that is somewhat mystical and unknown. And they think because I understand astrology, I know what it means. And more often than not, it's more a mythical thing than it is an actual physical uh, manifestation of something that we can identify. So it's often often the case that people will let me know that uh, Mercury is retrograde that, and they'll explain things that are going on with Mercury being retrograde. And usually my response to that is, oh, because I didn't realize Mercury was retrograde because I don't follow those things so closely because I feel like they're minutiae. And they don't really have that much impact on individuals. And so I, I, somebody mentioned the pink moon or I saw a lot of postings about the pink moon and I looked it up and it's about immortality and the self and incarnating um, forgotten parts of oneself, which I think is pretty inspiring. And what I think with all these things, whether it's a pink moon or a super moon or a blue moon or Mercury retrograde, what matters is what it inspires in you, is what can be opened in each person in the awareness that there's something going on beyond them. But what it really, really makes me think about is all the minutia that we get exp- or tied up in. And in my work, the minutia I get a- I get tied up in or people want to talk about is astrological minutia like mercury being retrograde or the minutia of psychedelics chemistry dosages i remember before covid i was in new york city and i was seeing a friend of mine give a talk at tibet house and uh, it was about psychedelics and religious experience, and it was him, and there was a psychiatrist from Mexico, and also a Columbia religion professor, all in this sort of panel discussion about 
psychedelics and consciousness and religious experience. And the, my friend who'd been putting on the, the talk introduced me to a couple of the, the uh, students of the religion professor. And immediately, and they were sort of my, my son's age. I have a son who's in college. And as soon as they asked me what I did and I explained it to them, I had a, a line like six, eight, ten deep for about 20 minutes that they all had the same question. They wanted to talk about the dosages of psychedelics how to properly dose themselves to have the experiences that they want to have. And another thing I often get, and I got that this week, was somebody discussing with me the atomic differences between certain substances. And whenever people talk to me about stuff like that, I really want to discourage them thinking that way. Because in all these instances, whether it's a supermoon, a full moon, psilocybin, DMT, whatever people want to be talking about, what they're really talking about is their consciousness and its capacity to be transformed, its capacity to tolerate becoming something else, letting go of old ways for new understandings, making itself available to provide an awareness to other people that it doesn't presently have. It's always a religious question, which is why was I born? What are my capacities? What are my capacities for transformation? How can I share that with other people? That's always the underlying question in the minutia. So I like to think about a human lifetime. And if you think about the Wright brothers, from the time the Wright brothers first flew at Kitty Hawk till men landed on the moon, in the Apollo missions, it was about 66 years. So you could have been alive. I'm sure people were alive who remembered the first engine-powered flight and in their early 70s watched men walk on the moon. So in just 66 years, that kind of transformation of consciousness was possible. And I know for myself, probably one of the most mystical experiences I ever had was I had the good fortune of seeing the Apollo Soyuz mission launch from Fort Lauderdale. And I saw these 350 foot rockets from five miles away of, and this golden domed Apollo vehicle rise up going 8,000 miles an hour and I was five when I saw it or six 
And I was five miles away and the ground was shaking under my feet. Like the ground shakes at a 5.0 earthquake. And I was amazed by the capacity of human consciousness that had created such power. Such technological ability to move that amount of weight through the atmosphere at 8,000 miles an hour. And that had happened in 66 years, or at that point it was probably 69 or 70 years since the Wright brothers flew over 100 feet, if I think that's what it was. So let's say we all have 70 years. And in those 70 years, each one of us has that capacity to travel that distance. In our understanding of our lives, in our understanding of our capabilities, in our understanding of what challenges have been built into each of our lives for this massive transformation. That the things that we identify with as our challenges and as our difficulties and as our curses have more likely than not been designed by an intelligence outside this life for our transformation. And our question that each one of us has to answer is how much have I tolerated this transformation? How much have I been willing to suffer to allow this transformation to happen? To really feel the dynamics of challenge and difficulty that have been designed in me individually so that I can bring something forth of enormous value to other people. Because when you do that, you realize that you have been designed as an ambassador for the intelligence that creates everything, physical and non-physical. And what that intelligence wants is it wants Sergeant Peppers to come into the world. It wants the good, the bad, and the ugly to come into the world. It wants Michelangelo's David to come into the world. It wants the Dalai Lama to come into the world. It wants solar panels that transfer the energy of the earth, of the sun from a one to one ratio to come into the world and power the world it wants the world to be geoengineered so that trees are planted constantly to metabolize carbon and create oxygen and cool the planet it wants empathy from people it wants kindness. 
It wants people who are willing to suffer and then not become monsters and turn that suffering into generosity and kindness and love. So for each one of us, the question is, how much am I willing to tolerate to still see that and not focus on my suffering and in that suffering create bitterness create anger anger and create narcissism but empathy for the suffering of others and kindness and generosity An inspiration that comes from outside of itself. It doesn't want narcissists. It doesn't want addicts and alcoholics. Unless that leads to a transformation that is of benefit to others. You know, I was speaking with someone the other day and they thought that what I do is the way that I work with people could be miraculous. And it can be miraculous, but probably not in the way that people think. I'll give an example here. I've worked with somebody in their 70s, very successful, who had had a tremendously difficult relationship with their father for their whole life. And on his deathbed, they read him a letter about their disappointments in him and all the problems that that had caused for them. And during their experience with me, what they experienced was everything that he had done, all the dynamics that had been in play that had made him an incredibly successful person. And the joy of knowing that his life with that person as his father had been designed to create that success and create the assistance that that success allowed him to provide for other people. And he said to me, he said, that's what I'm experiencing. I'm experiencing that my whole life, I thought I was at this incredible deficit and I was angry and uh, bitter about it. And what I'm experiencing now in this moment is all the things that were designed for me to be the successful man the generous man, the kind man that I am. And he is here with me, experiencing it and experiencing my appreciation and my forgiveness. So each one of us, whether you're looking at it astrologically or kind of of the expansion of consciousness that psychedelics can provide, 
have had these challenges designed for us. That if we are willing to endure, if we are willing to experience them as opportunities for transformations that will benefit other people because of the wisdom that those challenges create, then we can see each of our lives as a blessed event. And more than anything in my work, what I see, what I help people with is the way that that has been obfuscated by identifying with events and with the suffering that those events have created rather than the opportunities that those events have been designed as. And then what happens when we lose that, when we lose that kind of divine perspective, which I think is really missing in our secular materialistic culture, we then identify and and see all the things that sort of vibe with that unprocessed suffering. And a lot of that can be media and the media that we feed ourselves that reinforces our belief system about suffering and unfairness and unresolved wounding and also relationships that reinforce that. So instead of seeing the planet as this doomed apocalyptic spaceship that we need to get off of to survive because in fact none of us is going to survive none of our ego states which are constellated around our physical bodies and around our histories and our biographies are going to survive The Wright brothers didn't survive. The Apollo astronauts did not survive. But what they allowed to come through them, what they allowed to serve as vehicles for everybody survives. So the richest men, the Elon Musk and the Jeff Bezos, they're not going to survive. And ultimately, this biosphere is not going to survive either. That's built in because the sun will expand at a certain point and it'll no longer exist. But it's been provided for a transformation for each one of us. And what can come through as an expression of the intelligence that designs everything. 
So when people ask me, what's the meaning of life? According to what I understand from the work that I do, that's the meaning of life. What can come through you that can't come through anybody else? How is your passageway designed differently from anybody else's? How is your suffering unique? And how has that suffering been designed to create a transformation that nobody else can become? If you look at depression in, in Western culture, it's all having lost touch with those questions and the unique opportunity that each person's life is. That is the tragedy of the democratization of social media is people are constantly comparing themselves to other people who have nothing to do with them. Who are so unexotic compared to their own dynamics and potentials for transformation. So even the people that there seems an enormous amount of inequality for, even people who have been given so much that it seems absurd, can plant trees endlessly, which is the best thing that can be done for the environment. There is no other biosphere to go live on. That's not going to save anybody. That's pure narcissism. That's thinking that human ingenuity, ingenuity is more profound than the intelligence that created our world as a amphitheater of transformation. And for each person who listens to this podcast, their life is an amphitheater of transformation. That's unique to them. That's unlike anybody else's. So when people ask me what a pink moon is about, or they ask me about Mercury being retrograde, what's really important is how it relates to their transformation, which is <clears throat> unlike anybody else's. So good luck with yours. This has been Robert Mitchell at High Tide in the Dreamtime. And you can check out my website at www.goingquantum.org. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye.
across the evening sky. All the birds are leaving, but how can they know it's time for them to go?